you're tossing and turning, you're lying in bed, and, and you plow your head into the pillow, and still, you're awake. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. If you struggle with sleep or any aspect of feeling good when you wake up in the morning, this is for you. Waiting for the break of day Searching for something to say Flashing lights against the sky Giving up I close my eyes Sitting cross-legged on the floor Today we're talking about something that, well, I'm passionate about because I see what it does to people and improve sleep, what it does in our lives as well. To help me do this and to do do this well today, we have Sam Kelly, as we always do. But Sam, this is a particularly interesting program for you. Now, this is the story of my life, like for the last probably 15 <laughs> years. It's a long time because I had this job where I had to get up at early hours in the morning. Yes. And... If you get up at three every morning, you're used to not sleeping very much. And over the years, I started to realize, gosh, I am what you just described, where you don't know if you're asleep at all. <laughs> you're right. And then just the irritability uh, had a few times when I was on the road and I was going, you know what? I don't even think I'm safe. I feel like I'm drunk. I feel like there's something really wrong with me. And okay. it's been uh, a struggle, you know, and you've offered so much help in in that. So I'm grateful because there are ways to get out of it. Uh, but it's it's been really hard work. And I remember what it felt like to sleep, you know, to dream and to wake up rested and, and how that was. And it almost seemed like in that time of sleep disorder that the dreams go away. I don't remember dreaming right. at all. There's a reason for that because usually... If we're not sleeping well, we're not getting into that deep stage of sleep. We all heard the word REM, rapid eye movement, and that's where a lot of the dreaming occurs, and that's where a lot of the condensed renewal and refreshment for our brain occurs in that REM sleep. That's why we feel rested. A person who, Sam, may drank alcohol, part of a reason for a hangover is you didn't get the REM sleep. Your body mm. didn't rest. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. And some medications throw off REM sleep as well. One of the things I noticed, too, was when we had our little girl, which was five years ago, yes. I went through uh, even worse. And it's it's those parent ears where you're always listening for the child yes. crying or is something wrong. It almost puts you on high alert where you never relax enough that you can go to sleep. Is that something that contributes to the restless sleep as yes. well? There's a hypervigilance, meaning I'm on high alert. Okay, I'm asleep, but I can hear Something at the opposite end of the house that I wouldn't normally hear or normally even care about. But now it's like, I know my little girl has grown up and I don't have to be so alert now, but boy, I still hear everything. Yeah. It seems like it has taken a really long time to get back to normal, restful, peaceful sleep. Sam, you have uh, for many years, as you've described, got up what would be considered early by most of us, uh, 3 a.m. or so, and your body has developed a, a rhythm. There's a circadian rhythm. That's our body's natural clock. Doing something over and over and over, we can reset the body's natural clock where it goes, okay, uh, even when I don't have, this is when I wake up or think I have to wake up and my body's clock is set a certain way. Do you find that? Yes. 
I do. Even on the weekends, it's really yeah. hard for me to sleep in. Even if I can rest, it right. doesn't. I won't sleep longer than six hours a lot of times. Yeah. Can you reset <laughs> reset the clock? I mean, well, what's if difficult? You've it like that. Difficult is if I did the same thing seven days a week. It's a whole lot easier because mm-hmm. I'm. But then it's like the weekend throws off that that clock. And right. You, yes. Right. So what do you notice as we we're gonna dive into? Sam Kelly and sleep right now. <laughs> this is going to be uh, scary. But uh, what do you know? Like at night, normally for many, they're going to go, okay, you know, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling my body starting to, you go, I know bedtime's coming because you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. Do you have a certain time that your body shifts at night? Yeah. I'm I'm really tired by 7.30 or 8, okay. 8.30. Usually I'm asleep by 8 or 8.30, okay. sometimes 9. Got it. And... I go to sleep really easily, but here's the thing is I'll wake up within two hours. Why do I wake? And then almost every hour, what is that okay. where, where you wake up well, all the time? This is interesting because you brought up the most common times that a person will wake up during the night is usually two o'clock, three o'clock. There's something about those hours. Mm-hmm. And if I always ask a person, if you wake up during the night, what, what time's the clock say? Right. And sometimes they go, it's like it's three o'clock or two o'clock every day. I look at it. I know same and, time every day. Yeah. Or, is there a sound that's happening at that time? Is there something that happens every day at that time? Well, we may be talking about how our sleep cycles have gotten off and that body rhythm, that body clock is not set right. You were going to these modes where I sleep for a couple hours and I wake up. And my body clocks are all off and I don't spend enough time in those sleep cycles. Right. Sleep cycles are pretty easy to understand because there's a one, two, three, four, and then there's number five, which is where our deep sleep occurs called REM. And each stage of sleep is progressively deeper. But what happens is sometimes I'll go, okay, stage one, and I start to go deeper sleep where I need to go. But every time I hit stage two or three, I wake up. So I never get that really condensed rest that my body needs. Yeah. And you feel it the next day. You really feel it. What is happening when every hour you're looking at the clock? Sleep disorders today on Life, Love, and Family. If you need extra help getting through the stuff you're dealing with when it comes to sleep, here's a number. It's for the Center of Place of Hope, 888-771-5166. Insomnia, hypersomnia. What is hypersomnia? Well, this is where I feel like I can't get enough sleep. By the way, probably the estimates are from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, a government agency, is saying about 70 million plus adults have this uh, sleep or wakefulness disorder. And what that really is saying is I can fall asleep during the day because I'm not sleeping well at night. I have a wakefulness disorder. And here's what's interesting, Sam, and maybe you've had this happen to you. If you're between the ages of 18 and 25, almost 45% of you have said, I've unintentionally fell asleep during the day at least once in the Mm -hmm. past month. Yeah. Uh, 35 to 45, about 34% say, you know what? I've fallen asleep during the day unintentionally. That's scary. It is when you realize that you're not able to to perk it up. And no matter how much caffeine you add into it, or you always think I should be able to do something. And there at a certain point is nothing that you can do. Is that right? Yes. And now there's there's a point where we know that that insufficiency of sleep there's a sleep disorder called narcolepsy. And narcolepsy is that daytime sleep. And people who have it many times can't drive during the day. 
without the fall asleep while driving, operating machinery, so narcolepsy. And it's daytime falling asleep and un- uncontrolled. Right. And, and I mean, I don't think to me it seems like it's just a, a lifestyle. It's a trend. It's something that I've battled a lot. And I mean, we've had some success. First, I wanted to ask you before I okay. talk about the thing you gave me that helped me a lot was the uh, genetic thing about it. Because my mom only oh, sleeps a right. couple hours and then yeah. wakes up. And my brother, I found, is on high alert all the yeah. time. And, and I wondered, is there something in the brain or the body that you just have that and it, from your family? I hear this fairly often when we look at people who struggle with sleep issues. We always do look at family members, even brothers, siblings, brothers and sisters and just in the home. So I think sometimes there's a home environment, just the environment that can contribute to it. But other times it's like our body chemistries are so similar. You go, is this something in my DNA? Because all of us in our family seem to have it. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Well, and it's weird because it, it benefits you in some ways because you're able to do jobs. Like my brother right. is a helicopter pilot, you know, and he's you're able to do jobs where you have to be yes. awake right away and, and really ready right away. And and I have that. My mom has that. But it's it seems like it, there's a cost. <laughs> there's a price to pay. And, yeah. and on the other end, it's that exhaustion and fatigue. Sleep is such a big area of interest right now in, in research because chronic sleep loss over a long period of time, even uh, the sleep study uh, center at the University of California, here's what one of the doctors say. Right now, the research is showing us that there is a powerful link between a lack of sleep and potentially cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes, obesity. Mm. We know with obesity, lack of sleep can really add to weight gain, by the way, and as sleep apnea and and snoring, all this can factor back to some weight gain or difficulty losing weight. So the whole area of diseases and the contribution that sleep makes to diseases is an area of great interest in our research these days because we have so many people suffering with sleep-related problems. Now, I use the word sleep apnea. Yes, and tell I... Us, tell us what you know <laughs> about that. I actually went and did a sleep study about a half year ago, like, and it was a miserable thing to do because they hook you up with all these electrodes <laughs> yeah. to your head, and it's all sticky, and it gets in your hair and on your skin and okay. stuff. And I promise you, I felt like I didn't sleep a wink that whole night in yeah. that lab room. But they so said... So this is a, away from home? It so is. It's like in a hospital You're in a different lab room. room. Yeah. Away from home. And they put things on your fingers to <laughs> yeah. get your pulse and all your oxygen level and everything. So they're monitoring everything. You've got a strap around your chest to make sure what you're breathing like and yeah. super uncomfortable. But I did sleep and I told the lady, I said, I don't think I slept at all. Did you get anything? She's like, oh yeah, we got, you, you slept. And, and I, they did discover that I was, I think at the highest point of where I was waking up, it was like 48 times an hour. Maybe it was 52 on one right. of them, which seems crazy. Like, that's impossible, right? Now, when they say you're waking up 48 or 50 times an hour, Sam, did you know, did you feel like you were waking up? No. I mean, I, I felt just like what I described yeah. to you, that I wake up every hour and go, yeah. huh, what time is it? But it really was that. Yes. And and so they gave me a CPAP, which you can explain better what okay. that is. You get a machine and you put a, ma- a kind of a mask type mm-hmm. thing on. Yeah. It looks like um, maybe you were a, f- a fighter pilot with this mask on. Yeah, <laughs> like that. And it's really weird at first, but it makes a difference. And I can tell a difference. It, nights yeah. that I wear it, I get better sleep than the nights when I don't. So I tend to wear it more mm-hmm. more than not. And that has made a big difference. So, Although not 100%, which is weird to me. Like, okay. What is that? I did work in sleep research. And I remember you described those electrodes that were put on your head and electrodes that were put around your body, around your finger, and me- it measures oxygen level and uh, breath. Sometimes we put something around our, our chest where they're measuring when breaths go in and out. 
and they're looking at everything to do with your sleep cycle. So I remember watching on on the screen, you could tell when a person dropped into lower stages of sleep because everything changes, they're breathing. So what you described though is waking up constantly. And it's like, you'll see that on the on the screen. The, the, you know, the needle goes up and you're going, oh, wow, what they're, they're, they're waking up a lot. And so you're never really getting to those sleep stages that we talked about. So there is something that is a machine that some don't enjoy using this. No. <laughs> but <It's... laughs> it, for sleep apnea, but it, it's a forced air and it's forcing your body to keep breathing instead of stalling out. And I will say one thing it has done is it's caused me to breathe deeper even yeah. in my regular life because you have to breathe very purposefully when you're wearing it. And to me, that makes a difference in regular life too. I slow it down just a little and I think that's helpful. So it it's helping. Yes. Um, the other thing that helped was a supplement that you gave me. Yes. That works really well too. And it was helpful? Yeah. And um, I know we've got that on the website at aplaceofhope.com because right. you've got all my stuff on there that I feel like. <laughs> um, but that, we should have a Sam test page. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. You, so you take a couple of those, and, and I think your wife was taking this for a while too. Yes. And then you go to sleep really, it seems to make you sleepy right away, and, and you feel very relaxed for a little chunk of time. Right. Um, I still tend to have that four-hour wake-up, you know, where I, yeah. I definitely wake up. And are you saying that that's almost natural to have a— a spot in the middle of the night where you wake up? It wouldn't be unnatural. Here's what's important. How quickly do I go back to sleep if right, I need to? Right, right. So it's when a person wakes up and I'm waking up, maybe you wake up and you know, maybe it feels like, wow, my heart's pounding. I feel sweaty and just kind of catching my breath. And you know, that can be an indicator of sleep apnea. But how long does it take your body to transition back into a sleep state? Sometimes, well, I woke up, I went to the bathroom. Did you go right back to sleep or did do you have trouble struggling? And so those are all indicators of, of potential sleep disorder. It's kind of interesting that we have so many even sleep disorder clinics and sleep clinics and doctors who specialize in sleep disorders because years ago we didn't have any of that. And when I worked in a sleep laboratory at the University of Washington, we would put electrodes on a person. We would put something around uh, a mesh around their, their chest area so we can measure breathing and uh, measure oxygen in the in the blood because these could be indicators of well what's going on am I really getting to those sleep stages now there's a mild sleep apnea and maybe a moderate to, to severe where a person can stop breathing and at times it's it can be frightening if you're sleeping next to somebody who has sleep apnea it's like okay wait I've timed it they I don't think they've taken a breath for for two minutes and oh my goodness you know, and and then you hear a ah, and a gasping yes yep and then yep. but they're they seem to be asleep but it can be really frightening to hear all this and go okay are they okay and then it's like okay they'll be breathing normally and then they'll stop breathing again that's what we're describing as sleep apnea what we know is besides things like difficulty to lose weight um, the strain and pressure it puts on the heart so those are all very real factors. We want to speak hope into this whole area of sleep and understand there's a lot of different reasons if you struggle with sleep. I think some of them can be temporary. Sam, we can go through a stressful time in our life. It could be in a marriage, in a relationship, or at work. And there's just plain stress. And that stress, when you go to bed at night, doesn't seem to go away. And so it it's more of a a temporary state and maybe go, well, it's been this way for six months. Yeah, um, yeah but or longer. But as time passes, 
uh, it either gets worse or it gets gets better. So we all have seasons where sleep can be real affected. If you have been given a medical diagnosis, can you imagine? It's a let's say a medical diagnosis of cancer. Do you think you're going to sleep well that night? Or if you just came back home from a physical with a doctor and you were told that, um, well, you look like you're pre-diabetic or you have mm-hmm, high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Okay, those things that we already may have concerns about our physical health, those can be real upsetting and really affect a person's sleep. Mm-hmm. So there's more anxiety almost that your brain is yes. worried about things and that can keep you up as well. Absolutely. And it seems like it plays on because even if you have those worries, it's it's probably causing you to sleep less. It's also, if you're sleeping less, it's causing you to worry more. I find I didn't have really rational thinking when I'm I'm not sleeping my best. And so things worry me more. I don't make as solid of decisions. For anybody going through a, a, a sleep struggle, there can be a sense, it feels like, a real heaviness on your body. It's like, I, I feel fatigued. There's a heaviness. It feels like maybe depression. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. may be more prone to anxiety. Lack of sleep can create a sense of, of dread. It's like, I just feel dread. Something's going to happen. And, and, and we use the word rational, but we start to lose that rational thinking part. Front part of our brain where we make all our good decisions, the wise part of the brain, like, I don't feel like I can make any decisions. It's not working. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. another byproduct of a lack of sleep is it affects me emotionally. Physically, I feel like, ah, I remember a guy coming into my office and he said, I am so exhausted. It takes energy to breathe. Mm. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Today on Life, Love and Family, sleep issues, sleeping too little, not enough, disrupted sleep. What is your story? If you need some extra help, we've got it for you. The center is a place of hope. 888-771-5166. And we've got a friend checking in here. Hi, Marlene. How are you? Fine. Hi, Marlene. Are you a sleeper or not? Partially. Now that I'm retired, I stay up later. Yes. And I sleep later. But I would like to know, because I've asked doctors and no one can satisfy my answer, how does taking, I use bone meal calcium for my calcium. Okay. Um, how does taking calcium, drinking water, and using salt affect how we wake up to urinate. Here's what I do. We're really big on drinking water, but we also say let's not do a beverage or too much of one an hour before bedtime because you're going to be waking up and have to go to the restroom. But we right. know that calcium can activate uh, muscles where magnesium, and, and particularly different forms of magnesium, can be more uh-huh. of a, it relaxes blood vessels, Magnesium relaxes the brain. And so usually Uh magnesium is in many different natural sleep formulas. But magnesium and calcium go together, so it's not uncommon to see something with a fair amount of magnesium. And there's always some calcium in there because they work together in the body. But you mentioned salt. I'm not sure about what that's about. Are you a a salter? Well, no, but one of my medical professionals has said that they keep elderly people which I'm only 69, but they keep elderly people from salt because it makes you urinate. And I thought salt was just the opposite. That I haven't heard before. And I'm sorry, I can't comment on that with the salt. I have not heard that before. But generally, you know, if it's an hour before bed where we're really doing that pre-sleep routine, we're, we're really cutting down on the beverages, particularly what kind of beverages. Uh-huh. We're not having an espresso drink. But we're also, this is where we usually take a, a sleep formula uh, if we need one. 
But you brought up something really interesting. You said, well, I'm retired and I stay up later, you know, because I can. Uh-huh, <laughs> and so yes. you, you probably have a real different sleep cycle now. I do, because I used to go to sleep like at 8.30 or 9. Now I go to sleep like 12 or 1. Wow. Oh, okay. Maybe you need to decide really what's going to be the best bedtime for me and kind of work on rebalancing that back. What range am I going to wake up in the morning? And do I have a plan for the next day that's exciting before I go to bed? Even though as we grow older, you've heard it said that we need a little less sleep, we're more prone to nap during the day. But as we age, you'll notice people tend to actually sleep. They seem like less at night. And you may feel like, I don't know if I really need all that sleep. How how do you feel when you wake up in the morning? Well, I feel pretty good. But I'm enjoying being retired and not having to get up at five o'clock. So <laughs> well, I can I understand that. It. Yes, but I still wake up at like I heard you say two or three o'clock in the morning, or maybe four, and then uh, I struggle with going back to sleep. But then I do go back to sleep, and then I'll sleep till later, eight or nine o'clock. So I'm wondering, is that okay, or should I? It's okay you know, since I, I do get at least eight hours sleep, but it's not like consistent. I'm going to say yes, yeah. as long as you're feeling good. And are you okay. able to have good physical activity during the day? Am I oh, still yeah. okay? Yeah, I skip rope, I walk, I oh, do my. all kinds of things. Okay, and so and you're getting some good protein in the morning. You're you're doing good on the right. Okay, thank you so much, Marlene. Thanks for the question. Yeah. Awesome. And you know, one of the things that I was coming up with, she was talking, and and you're talking about taking natural supplements, yes. whether it's magnesium along with a, right. an herb or or some kind of supplement. Is it okay to take supplements over a long period of time, or is that just something you recommend for someone to do for a little while? I'm a proponent for just knowing how the lack of our diet for most is. So I'm I'm going to err on the more the proactive side. So I'm the guy that takes, and I experiment, and I'm doing this and that. So mm-hmm, I'm the guy mm-hmm. that is taking the supplements and the probiotics, and I'm looking... By the way, the probiotics in sleep and digestive issues is is an area that is being looked at now. I think we're going to learn more. For many, their body, if your person, we haven't mentioned melatonin yet, but a melatonin, which is a hormone to our body that can help us fall asleep. Our body normally secretes a certain amount of melatonin. Sometimes it doesn't and there's a deficiency. A person takes it and they go, wow, I can fall asleep now. That's examples of a natural formula. And what about things that aren't uh, all natural, like these products that you're talking about? What, things like uh, Benadryl or uh, Unisom or, you know, whatever you call it, but it's a it's a sleep aid that you get over the counter. We tend not to want to rely on those and go that direction. Now, I think there's times you may be in a different city or something's going on and you need to get some help quick. Yeah. I'm not opposed to that, but I don't think we want to fall where, okay, I can't sleep without having a certain over-the-counter product all the time. Mm -hmm, Let's mm -hmm. look at it deeper and find out if we can find better solutions. If you just joined us today on Life, Love, and Family, we are talking about sleep and when you have things that are disrupting your sleep and maybe you don't even know how to identify them. That's what this show is about. And you can contact Dr. Jance anytime on his website, aplaceofhope.com. The thing to me that I've discovered from working with you on this is that there's no one set answer. And you always use the term it's a puzzle and you just start putting in, let's try this piece and let's try this piece. And that has given me a lot of comfort because 
it's frustrating when you try something and, well, that didn't work, you know, ah, maybe I'm just so messed up. And it's very beautiful to have just, okay, we tried this, this is working, this is helping. And little by little, just getting healthier and healthier with sleep. Can we talk about alcohol for a little while? Because that was another one for yeah. me that okay. I found I was so uptight and yes. tense and I started the habit of alcohol. And we have another friend who checked in with that okay. gym. He says, you know, I have a few glasses of wine before I go to sleep, but then... I don't feel like it's really doing me a lot of good. What's the chemical thing that happens? A little bit of alcohol for a short period of time, the person goes, well, that really helped me fall asleep. And then you fall into a trap. Well, that's not really working very well, so I better drink a little bit more. And you do more. We've worked with people that I, I drink so much, I kind of am really kind of passing out. I'm, I've sedated my brain. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and I'm sleeping in a chair in the living room, not in my bed. But I wake up in the morning, I don't feel good because that alcohol has affected really the quality of my sleep. I think maybe I slept, but I'm, I don't feel good. And it's doing some other things. It's depleting certain vitamins and minerals. It's affecting my digestion. You know, alcohol can be tied to so many different disease processes. So that's not a very good solution because it has a lot of other complications. Right. So we do need to mention that alcohol as a sleep <laughs> sedative has too many other downsides and an easy way to go, but not a good way to go and will not work indefinitely. I was wondering about blood sugar. Uh, Blood sugar and even pre-diabetic conditions or hypoglycemia. Let's say I had a dessert uh, about two hours before bed and my digestion, my sugar levels have peaked. Sugar and sleep can be a real interference factor. One that was rarely looked at, but very significant. I work with people who do this. They work up to doing a quart or a half gallon of ice cream or nearly that much in in an evening Mm -hmm. before they go to sleep. And obviously it's affecting them in different ways, but that amount of sugar is going to affect your sleep cycles. Does it wake you up? It can wake you up and you may be, oftentimes, by the way, alcohol may knock you out, so to speak, but you may wake up within one or two hours and go, oh, 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 and and it's so disrupted those sleep cycles. So maybe you fall back to sleep, but your sleep cycles are so disrupted. Sugar can have this similar effect. Alarm clock screaming, bare feet hit the floor. Yeah, it's off to the races, everybody out the door. I'm feeling like I'm falling behind, it's a crazy life. 90 miles an hour, going fast as I can, trying to push a little harder, trying to get the upper hand. So much to do in so little time, it's a crazy life. It's ready, set, go, it's another wild day when the stress is on the rise. In my heart, I feel you say, just breathe, just breathe, come and rest at my feet. And be, just be, chaos calls, but all you really need is to just breathe, just breathe, come and rest at my feet. As you've seen today, they come in all forms, and there's hope for all of them. One of the things we know about sleep disorders is they tend to get worse, 
not better until we intervene. Let's intervene today. And as a sleep researcher, I know there's hope. I want to let you know about the center, a place of hope. Sleep disorders can lead to depression and anxiety. We must address the whole person. Here's a phone number. Find out what are the resources. 888-771-5166. Again, it's 888-771-5166. That's the center, a place of hope. And thank you for being with me today on Life, Love, and Family. We do have good resources that are available on our website, lifeloveandfamily.net. Life, Love, and Family. You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated, and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call 1-888-771-5166. Or for help right now, visit aplaceofhope.com. 